Well, good morning. I'm glad to be here with you today. My name's Elizabeth Tamlin, and I serve in the Bible study by being what they call a senior leader, so that I lead small groups of Bible study leaders, and then they go out and lead also. So we get a chance to share and um, just learn by the scriptures together. So let me just start with a quick word of prayer um, about what we'll be talking about this morning. Lord, we just thank you for bringing these ladies here today. Father, we thank you for your word and that it's true. And I just pray that we would just surrender ourselves and submit our wills to you, to you and your word and what it has to say about our words. And we just lift this morning to you in Christ's name. Amen. Um, so I've entitled this lesson, Sticks and Stones, um, because we all know the saying from when we were little, sticks and stones can break my bones, but what's the rest? But words can never hurt me. But you know what? We all know that's not true, don't we? Because we've all, we've all been hurt by words. And unfortunately, we've probably all hurt others with words, too. So today, we're going to look at James 3, and we're going to see who we are based on what we say, our words, and also our lives by um, our, hopefully, good deeds that are done in humility. So let's dive in. We start with verse 1, where it says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. To which I say, yikes, because here I am today. But it's a tall order, and um, I think that God really judges what we say because he cares about our words and that our words matter, and what we say should match how we live. And so you may be breathing a sigh of relief out there, but you know what? All of us teach, every one of us, whether it be a three-year-old or you're teaching your neighbor something or just by your manner or your presence, everybody in this room is a teacher. And so James is talking to the Jewish teachers of the day, but we are all accountable for what we say each and every word. And so that's what we're going to dive in and talk about today. Also, when we wrap up at the end, we're going to talk about how we can serve teachers in West Dallas at Carr. So we're going to circle back to that. So as we move on, we can all agree with the following verse. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault at what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. And so we think, 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 and like, I cannot think of one single person that does not stumble in this area. And we know that we would be perfect, if, and that's what the scripture tells us, if we would be perfect if we had a perfect tongue. And we know there's only one person that was perfect, and that was Jesus Christ. So we move on and we think, okay, then I need to learn something about my words. And we look at the, the next verse where it talks about when we put bits, a little tiny bit, in the mouth of horses, it can turn the whole animal. And so our words steer us, just like a small bit does. It steers us in one direction, or they can steer us in another direction. And it goes on. It also talks about ships. It says, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. And so again, our words steer us. They can make us go down a certain path or another. And I think the best example that I have of this is when my dad, he lived with us for years, and at the end of his life, he was getting weaker, but he was still every day getting up, taking a shower, getting dressed. We had doctor's appointments to go to and things like that. But he, you know, he kept thinking, I'm gonna do this physical therapy and I'm gonna get stronger. And then at one point he went in to, for an ER visit and they told him that he had lung cancer and lymphoma. And they told him that he had probably two to six months to live. And so we knew he'd been getting weaker, but we had no idea he was so sick. But you know what? He died four days later. And I think those words, they, he, they just steered him like, I'm not going to be sick for that long. And they just totally steered his road, just like the, the bits in the, the mouth of a horse or a rudder on a ship. Our words can steer us in one direction or another. Our words also can be spread. And it tells us in these verses that they can spread like a wild 
fire. It says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And we've seen that to be true, haven't we? These last few months in Texas, in the West Texas or Central Texas, where a wildfire brings complete destruction and disaster upon an area before people can even react. And our words can be the same way, where we can say something very small and they can just spread like a wildfire and bring destruction to others. And um, so then James goes, as if that's not enough to steer us and to spread us, he goes on, as if we don't think that that's, that's strong enough. A world of evil among the parts of the body. And I think, usually I think of like evil sexual sin or you know, uh, hurting, killing somebody with your hands or something like that. But it says this is a world of evil among the parts of the body, the mouth, the tongue. Corrupts the whole person. And um, by your words, you are known. So it does corrupt the whole person. You can't say something and act another way and, and have um, integrity. It sets the whole course of his life on fire. Again, back to steering. Um, it cannot be tamed. And no man can tame the tongue. It says all kinds of animals creatures of the sea can be tamed. And if you think about like Shamu, that's amazing, really. If you can see how they make that giant whale jump up on a, you know, jump up or flip or whatever. I mean, that we can tame animals. I'm working on it with my dog, not very successfully. But um, there's all kinds, you know, dancing bears in the circus. Man can tame some animals, but no man can tame the tongue. And it goes on. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Yikes. That, is, that are some strong words. When I, if I were just to hear it and I didn't know what it was about and I just heard the term, a restless evil full of deadly poison, you would think, this is something from Satan. This is bad. Um, and so we know that these are some pretty harsh accusations about words and what we say should not be taken lightly. It has the power of life and it has the power of death. And we will see that as we go on this morning. Um, so as we go on, we also see that James contrasts the tongue with being, either being harmful or being helpful. So we see he talks about praise and cursing. How can that come from the same mouth? But you know what? I've done it. Um, salt and fresh water. Again, if you've got a, under the ground, it's a salt water, it, then what comes up is going to be salt water. So from inside are where our words begin and where they brew. And it also talks about um, bearing fruit, that a tree will bear its own kind of fruit. We know in Matthew 7, 17, it says, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, um, and, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So the, and the main verse for us here is, thus by their fruit, you will recognize them. And people will recognize you by your fruit from what comes from inside, what you say on the outside. So now I would, th I would say, we all believe that our words are powerful and that we cannot talk poorly on one hand and be respected in another because we are known by our words. And I looked up trying to do some research, looking at different verses, and there's 411 verses in, on Bible Gateway just with the word words. So God cares deeply about what we say. It's in there a lot, and um, we need to take note of it. Um, so I thought to myself, our words can be, they can tear down or they can bring us strength and they can build up. So I kind of have an S theme going here. So if you're writing things down, take that, take that in note. So the, our words can bring us strength, or they can strengthen others. Ephesians 4.29 tells us, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So again, our words can strengthen. Our words can bless others. They can be encouraging. They can build up. They can give comfort. Our words can show thankfulness. 
They can, we can pray with our words. Those are all good things. We share the gospel with our words. So our words can be a great strengthening thing and to build us up. But we also know that sometimes our words can tear down. But to keep with the S theme, we're going to say they can smash or they can sabotage or they can shatter. And we know that that is very true. There are words, there are many things that we can do with our mouth that are sin, such as gossip, slander, lying, cursing. And I even thought of one that I'm so guilty of is interrupting my words. And what I'm saying when I interrupt is what I have to say is more important than you. <laughs> and, and I don't mean that. I'm not thinking of that consciously, but that would be sin with your mouth, interrupting. Um, lying, gossip, cursing, slander. You know, how many times can we get kind of somebody's talking about somebody badly and we don't just leave or flee, but we stay or we might even agree just to not cause trouble. But those are all words that, that smash or tear down. And so um, I think we would all agree that James, from God through the Holy Spirit, have, believes very strongly that our words matter and what we say matters. And we talked about this a little bit, but in Romans 7, I think it's partially in your lesson, but um, Paul says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And then it goes on a little bit farther down. It says, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. And haven't you felt like that sometimes? Like, I, I know when I do it wrong, and I want to do better, but how can, I, how can I do better? It says, no man can tame the tongue. But I think we can learn today that there are some things we can do to take ground and to become more like Christ in our words. And I love because verse um, 24 of Romans 7 says, what a wretched man am I. I love that. And that we talked about being a wretch in the song. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he is the answer to taming our tongue or to doing a better job at it. So um, I thought we would take a few S words and talk about what we can do that should inform how we speak. And I thought about um, a tube of toothpaste, and somebody gave me this example. And I, it's such a great one. So we, you know, once you squeeze it out, you can't really get it back in there. You might be able to clean it up a little bit, but once you squeeze it out, it's there. And so our words are the same way. So we need to think about squeezing around the right amount with the right timing and the right place. Same thing with our words. So let's look at our seven S's. The first one is to submit your thoughts. And I think this is so important because we know that what comes out of our mouth really was brewing something inside. Rarely, I don't, I don't know if ever, something comes out that just like, you might say it popped out, but somehow it was stored up in there. And um, Matthew 12, 34 tells us, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that is so, so true. I have a great story of uh, my 21-year-old when he was little. Um, he was about three, but he was pretty verbal, still is. And he was coming outside with the babysitter and the Christmas lights were on. And there was a section of lights that were not working. And so she said to him, what's going on with the lights here? And he says, I'm going to I'm going to substitute a few words. But he says, I don't know what in the heck is going on with these darn lights. Okay, so this is a three-year-old. So he did not make up these words, right? It would be much more, if I said them out loud, they would, they would sound better, but I don't want to do that. But anyway, so it just, so my, we have grandparents that might have thrown in those words occasionally to, uh, and so he didn't just all of a sudden pop out these words. He probably somehow received them, and then he probably thought about them because, you know, he'd never really been around them that much, and then, boom, out they come. And that happens to us also. So it is important to whatever we think about don't be surprised when it pops out of your mouth. And so we want to submit our thoughts. And to me, the best verse on this is Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, 
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so I, I just wrote a, another slide up here. I want you to memorize these words, T-N-R-P-L-A. So let's say that somebody is saying something and you are thinking, you're starting to go down this negative thought path like, I am unworthy, no one likes me, I should leave, or whatever it may be. That's kind of where my thoughts end up going. But I have to take them captive, and I have to think, is it true? Well, maybe it's true. Okay, is it noble? No, it's probably not noble. Most of our thoughts, or many of our thoughts, are probably not noble. Is it um, right? Maybe. Is it true? I mean, so you just go through the pattern, T-N-R-P-L-A. Is it true, noble, right, pure, lovely, will almost get you every time. Because most of your thought, many of your thoughts are probably not lovely or admirable. And then to go on, is it excellent or praiseworthy? So if to control your thoughts, and I don't think you can just like suck your thoughts out. You have to fill them with something else. So if you're starting to have a negative thought pattern, you probably need to replace it with something else. With music, praise music, or maybe you, you uh, have memorized some scripture that you start just saying over and over and over. I'm not going to let my mind go there. And it is something that you can teach yourself and train yourself to follow and, be, and not let it get into a pattern where all of a sudden you go from my husband didn't open my door be, to my husband's having an affair. You know, it, you know and it, I mean, I can do it like in three steps. Like, he, he doesn't think I look good. He, I mean, so you have to submit your thoughts, train your thoughts, and don't let yourself go down those negative paths. And it is something that you can get better at. And so um, I take ground in that and still have more ground to go. Okay, our next S is to be slow to speak. And I think you w it's important for us to take a moment before we engage in words to think first. And we learned a couple weeks ago, James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So it's not that you're not going to talk. It's just you think before you talk. And that is one that we can all get better at, I'm sure. And um, sometimes I think we are actually thinking about what we're going to say before the even person's even finished. So you're like, I'm getting my ammunition ready to go. That's, that's not what this is. So to be slow to speak is to think and be more intentional and deliberate in what our words are. The next one is to use our words sparingly. So S is our word there. Sometimes less is more. I love this verse. It's also a song from Ecclesiastes 5.2. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before the Lord. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. I love that. I, I, there's plenty of times when I just need to speak less, just not, not speak so much, and less is more. So that's our, uh, that is our third S. Our fourth S is to use scripture to speak. And I think you also need to use wisdom in this. Just like we don't pluck out a scripture to make it fit the way we want to, don't pluck out a scripture to, for your friend that's in, in need and use it in a flippant way. Scripture is God, all God-breathed and useful for training and rebuking, correcting. And, and we don't, and, and Scripture is great, but sometimes it may be more applicable to do in, a, in something in writing where you can give them the Scripture. When we were in Africa, we used Scripture. We had some very difficult questions that, that um, people would ask us. And instead of saying, well, I think, well, my opinion is we use Scripture to base, um, to base our answers. So it can be a powerful tool um, but sometimes we just want to not give our opinion, but what does God's word say? So we want to use scripture to speak. Another S would be to use silence. And I remember when we studied Job here a couple years ago, I love this verse from Job 2, verse 13. 
when all these bad things started happen, happening to him, they, then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. And I love that. I think that, that spoke volumes to not speak anything. Sometimes being quiet and not saying anything, using silence is the best, is the best thing to say. Um, and our last one, I had to kind of manipulate this one, it would be to, so it could be an S, but to supplicate or to ask God about your speech, to pray about it, to ask the Lord to help you, to use these tools that we've talked about, to, to use scripture at the right time, to speak less and to speak sparingly and to use silence when necessary. So we pray to the Lord and we see in Psalm 1914, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. So we can ask the Lord, first we confess our sins and we can ask forgiveness when we do wrong. And we can also ask the Lord to help us in situations, to remember to slow down, to remember to pause and think before we speak. And so we, we come to him pleading and asking him to help us. And um, I think those are, those are some tips that hopefully we, we all believe what James says about how words, our words can be so dangerous, but what can we do to get better? And hopefully those are a couple ideas that might help. Um, now we see in verse 13, our scripture turns us from what we say and how our words can build up or tear down to wisdom and humility. And what do we learn about others by what they don't say? And so we see in verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show up by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. And we know that wisdom, if you think about it, wisdom and humility and a good life, they all go together, don't they? You can hardly pull one apart without without making the equation not add up. If you, if you know somebody that you consider wise, they're probably humble, and they probably lead a good life. Um, you may know people who are knowledgeable about a certain subject, or that maybe they've studied something and they've gained understanding, but wisdom is just a little bit different. Wisdom is gained only through God, and by being humble enough to submit to him. And we know that in uh, humility, the opposite of humility is pride. And so God has some strong words to say about pride, and just one of them is from uh, James 6, I mean 4, 6, which we'll talk about, I think, next week. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So I know I want to be in the grace-receiving mode, so that means I need to be humble as well. And humility is not shown in our words, like we just talked about. It's much more shown in our actions and in our lives, and we know that um, it comes from being wise. And the, the, how, do we get, how do we get wisdom? Um, and we might think it's about studying something or hearing a sermon or hearing or reading something and we are going to gain it. But that's more about gaining probably understanding and knowledge. True wisdom comes from God and that's where we get it. James 1.5 from a couple weeks ago says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all and it will be given to him without finding fault also. Forgot that part. So if we lack wisdom, how do we get it? We ask God. That's a pretty good formula, right? But it also goes on to say, but, but don't doubt and to believe. Um, another part of scripture that tells us where we get wisdom from is from Ephesians 1.17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom. He gives it to us. It's from him. We don't go earn it. We don't go attain it. We don't go um, steal or beg or buy it. We get it from God. We get it from, the, from um, asking him and from getting it. And then we also look at Proverbs 2, 6. And uh, I, used to, I used to know this is a little jingle, so I'm going to try not to sing it. Uh, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So the Lord gives wisdom. That's how we get it. We don't get it, from, we don't get it backwards by 
living a good life. We get it from seeking him, and he gives us wisdom. And we also know from another proverb that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And again, that reverence of knowing who he is and who I am in comparison. And then the scripture goes on. It says, also, if we harbor bitter bitter envy and selfish ambition, again, here are heart issues. What's the result? Disorder and every evil practice. So just contrary to what, to what, um, what we want to be doing. So we get wisdom from spending time with the Lord. We get it from spending time in his word. And we hopefully will be a reflection of him. And we know that the earthly wisdom is more, um, it's unspiritual and it's of the devil. But wisdom from God is first of all pure. And I love that because I think pure, the word pure, you know, we have that verse from uh, consider it pure joy. Blessed are the pure in heart. Pure is something that can only be from God or from heaven, it says here. Um, Pure, it's peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, um, impartial and sincere. Those are things you can't go out and get. You only get it by submitting to the Lord and by being humble before him. It's about surrendering and submitting, not putting on and trying to do something on your own strength. So we know that we gain more control of our tongue through submission to God. We gain more wisdom by submission to God, and we gain more humility by submission to God. We, um, I just kind of thought of three things how we can gain wisdom and humility that also begin with S. Um, the first one is to search the scriptures. Psalm 119, 105, again, I'll try not to sing. Your word is a light unto my feet, and a, I mean a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. Um, the next one would be to submit yourself to a holy God. We've already talked about that, submitting it, submitting to him, spending time with him. And we know from James, it says, submit yourselves then to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. And to submit, it, submit yourself will get you in line with gaining that wisdom from God. And also to solicit the help of community. Because we know from Ecclesiastes that two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. And so to, to be around others that will spur you on to a good life and to being humble, to gaining God's wisdom. And uh, we know that all of this put together, the taming of the tongue, the wisdom and humility, we put that all together, we wrap up in the last verse, which is great. Peacemakers who sow in peace do what? They raise a harvest of righteousness. And I think that's so wise. When you put all these pieces together, what's, what's the equation? They raise a harvest of righteousness. So I want to circle back to what we talked about with the teachers and our words that, ha- that are, when you think about a teacher, their main tool is their mouth, right, is their tongue. And they might have a few, you know, a chalkboard or a video or something like that, but mainly their, their mode of transferring information are their words. And so in our Bible study, we have the opportunity to serve um, at Carr Elementary. And Alex Wagner has been heading this up, doing a great job. And we have opportunities where you can serve one time or you can be down there as often as you like. And so um, I just wanted to give you a couple of ways that you might be able to serve them because we see how God reveres teachers and how important they are and what they do is so important. And this is such a great opportunity because these teachers are serving what truly might be the least of these. And so by serving them, we serve those children as well. So we hope to encourage the teachers so that then they can go and pour that same love to the kids. When you think about a, a vessel and those teachers, you know, their vessel gets empty as they're through the day. But if we can go and encourage them with helping or with food, then we fill them back up so that then they can pour out to their children. So there's several ways that we can serve through our Bible study at Car. And the first one would be just to pray for them and to pray for, um, I think most small groups have a couple of names, just to pray for them during the week as well, because they can, they will um, be 
they will feel the difference when, when we can pray for them. And that is something you can do anywhere, anytime, no matter what season or stage of life. Another thing that you can do is we have a few work days set up. And you have a card on your chair that tells you the work days that will be up there. You don't have to sign up. You don't have to do anything but other than show up. And we can cut for them and laminate for them. And Alex will be working with the principal so the teachers know ahead of time when we'll have projects for us. We'll be in the workroom and we can just serve them somewhat like we do here at service day because they don't have a PTA. They don't have moms that are helping them. And we are the hands and feet to do that. Another way is um, we have lunch days where once a month we, there's a group that will go down there and serve and um, serve them lunch. And so even if it's something like I have 1,200, you know, 15 kids and I can't go, you could bake brownies beforehand and send some food or send some kind of dessert or something like that. So, and really, you know, there's other, there's other things you could do is you could decide I can't, you know, having, I can't bring my five children that are all under five to, you know, to work in the workroom. But you know what? I could bake a, a basket of muffins and bring them down there. And the great thing is, I mean, it's really fun. They're so appreciative and they're just, they, they just love seeing us down there helping them. You can see here some of the pictures of some of the other things that have happened down there. And it's such a blessing. I mean, don't do it because you think it's, you're going to get blessed, but you will. And it's such a, a great way to serve. The other thing I love about it, it can be a one-time commitment. You can serve one time this year, and you're done. Or you might get think, this is a great thing, and I'm going back. So there's many ways that you can do that. We also have our little red box, which looks like a red schoolhouse. You can give if you would like to, because we will, we will do occasionally do little treats or, or things like that that we might put in their boxes. So that would be the four ways. So pray for them, work days, lunch days, and to donate also. Um, and you could, you know, your community group. Maybe that you decide, let's all get together and put a candy bar with some cute saying or slogan that's encouraging in their box. So there's ways you can do that you won't be in that school 10 minutes if it doesn't work for you to, to, uh, to do that, to be able to stay. But there's all kinds of opportunities. These ladies are serving truly the least of these, um, and it's a great way to get involved. Um, another thing I just want to mention is it sounds like it's really far away, but truly, when, once you get to Inwood, whether you're on Lovers or Mockingbird or up north, or once you get to Inwood from about Lovers, it's probably only 10 or 12 minutes. It's just not that far. So it doesn't have to be like, I got a whole day set aside. It can be, I have an hour and a half, and I'm going to go stop by CVS and buy candy, and they will love it. So just to encourage them and just to remember that nobody else is doing this, that they are, we are kind of their PTA. And so... I love the verse from Matthew 25. The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of my brothers, you did for me. And so you may think that you're going down there to bless them, but you'll probably walk away blessed. Let me close. Father, we just thank you for James. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it can transform us and to change us and to make us more like you. And I pray that for each woman here today, that they would go away with something that they can um, just that will transform them to be more like you. We thank you for the opportunities at CAR and just pray that we would get excited to serve one another, to serve you, and to love these women and teachers that are down there. And we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.